Hi, everybody. I'm Rogers Healy, the host of Rogers That, a podcast dedicated to selling without selling out. And today I have one of my best friends as a guest, a business hero of mine, someone who exudes consistency, um, humility, and really just brilliance. Uh, I've got my buddy Blake Wiley. Uh, Blake, thanks for for being a guest today on Rogers That. And I just found out that this is Blake's first ever podcast appearance. So um, it's kind of like how Usher discovered Justin Bieber. I'm going to always be um, identified with Blake's Blakeout. This is your Blakeout podcast. Nice. Am I Usher or am I Bieber? Um, I'm you're Bieber in that Bieber because you're Canadian. Okay. Got and it. the hair. Eh? Um, but I don't know if you caught that. That might be, Maybe that's your new hashtag, Blakeout. Blakeout. All yeah, right. This all is right. Your, your Blakeout role. But um, Blake, Blake and I met probably 10 or 15 years ago um, just through being um, – young and relatively wild in the city of Dallas. And what Blake has done in the world of business is it's absolutely fascinating. He was and still is a very successful oil and gas guy and learned the business of strategy and connecting and networking and structure. And he leveraged that to become um, really just a, a legend in the field of venture capital and private equity. And um, a few years back, I kind of just took a took a liking and kind of asked Blake to mentor me in this world that we're going to, we're going to dig into. But, um, Blake, again, thanks for coming. And I, I think it'd be great if maybe you gave a little background on your, on your business and how you've got where you're at so far. Yeah, no, happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Rogers. And yeah, no, I uh, started, uh, you know, in, in 2009, I had a buddy that had just sold a, a tea company and, uh, it's classic, uh, startup stories started with $10,000, his grandmother's tea recipe. And, Grew it over 11 years and, and uh, a lot of, uh, you know, um, uh, lessons learned and and, uh, and t- classic startup entrepreneur story. Uh, anyway, he sold that company. What was the company called? Uh, it was called Sweetleaf Tea that has the grandmother on the on the tea bottle. And uh, he was uh, starting a tea-infused vodka company and, and uh, kind of talked to some of his friends and said, hey, here's, here's the next venture that I'm doing and you're more than welcome to be involved. And uh, that was my first foray into anything outside of like a 401k or a, you know, buying a public stock or something like that. Had no idea what I was doing, but had kind of a front row seat to learn what a, you know, convertible note and a valuation and a liquidation preference and all these kind of uh, terms that. This is why you were still in oil and gas. This is why I was still in in oil and gas. And anyway, uh, that was kind of the first foray and that led into just a lot of other opportunities, uh, investing my own capital uh, for the first uh, five years, and then realizing just the uh, the interest level and the and the demand for exposure into consumer goods uh, within the North Texas uh, investing community, and and uh, formalized access capital in uh, twenty fifteen. And even the name access capital, people maybe give a little little background on that. I mean, what you have is, in my opinion, you're the golden goose, and you're the guy that has the keys to the kingdom. So access capital, what does that mean? Yeah, so it's actually two, two fronts. Uh, one is on the investor side to give uh, the investing community access to, you know, uh, high quality, uh, sourced, due diligence, uh, consumer goods, uh, company, uh, you know, companies, Dallas is a r- really a hard asset town, you have really three pillars, you have banking, you have real estate, and you have energy, right? And if you're not one of those three pillars, uh, some family offices and, and limited partners and things don't really know uh, where to put you. And so it's uh, it's access uh, to the the deal flows and, and the, the deals that we do uh, with, within our ecosystem and our network, a lot of uh, network down in Austin. Um, 
and then it's access for the entrepreneur and uh, the the founder of these companies. It's uh, giving them access uh, to capital because a lot of them are really great at what they're doing and building and whatever product they're making. But uh, you know, raising capital from investors isn't necessarily their their strength, and so. Uh, we help them with that, really kind of bridge the two. How did you take your background, maybe give us a little background in the oil and gas world and how you kind of had a aha moment that the stuff that you were doing, maybe as a landman or structuring deals, putting that kind of stuff together and sourcing it with high net worth individuals. What was your big moment to go in and transition that to a whole different field? Yeah, well, we had, uh, you know, it's it's a totally different kind of mindset as an investor. Uh, you know, I worked for uh, one of the pioneers in the uh, mineral and royalty space, uh, Scott Noble at, at Noble Royalties. And uh, he was the the largest uh, private independent uh, independent purchaser of of minerals and, and royalty assets at the time. Uh, you know, a, an industry that now has a lot of private equity uh, interest in that. But he was really a trailblazer and pioneer in the industry, and and uh, watched him, you know, uh, build his company. And and you know, that's that's uh, definitely more like buying existing cash flow streams, and it's a it's a monthly uh, you know distribution and, and dividend check, and so. You're trying to make a you know a certain percentage return that kind of goes on forever, um, and this is kind of the opposite of that, right? This a lot of these high growth businesses they're growing top line revenue every single year, but they they may not necessarily be profitable yet. Uh, but when uh, Kellogg comes along, or as uh, we just saw uh, uh, yesterday, Mondelez bought Cliff Bar for three billion dollars. Uh, whenever the larger strategics come in and acquire these companies, then it's a really uh, splashy big exit. And so, um, you know, one is a more consistent, stable monthly income. And the other one is, uh, more venture and more, uh, no distributions along the way, but a big pop at the end is kind of how yeah. the, the two, two combined. But yeah, watching, watching Scott grow that company and, 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 uh, watching what he did. Um, you know, I haven't raised institutional capital yet. I've had a lot of people suggest that I should, or want to make introductions and, uh, you know, Scott always raised money from, um, you know, high net worth and family offices. And that's kind of where I, I have the most joy, you know, going, making, uh, you know, Utimco university of Texas and endowment, an extra X million dollars doesn't really excite me, but, uh, you know, when you change people's lives and give them a outlier type returns and especially in a product that they can touch and see and feel and consume every single day yeah. is what's really exciting to me. And so uh, that's really kind of the similarity, similarities, I guess, between the two businesses. It's, it's a good, um, it's a good cue for me to ask you about being a disruptor. You know, I, I remember when I got into real estate, I was a disruptor because I was younger, I had long hair, I did social media, and that was kind of really it. But with you, your disruption has been you know, more, in my opinion, based on the fact that you don't have the Wall Street background, you didn't go work for a large company on the East Coast, and you kind of did it just based off of your gut instinct. So what was that journey into becoming a disruptor? And how have you maintained success? You know, I mean, it really, it really fell back on on uh, network, you know, I mean, I have a government degree from UT, right. And so uh, that doesn't, uh, you know, as you said, I didn't spend any time on uh, on Wall Street, it was uh, really by luck, uh, at first, uh, with, uh, with the deep eddy, uh, investment. And then it was, um, really intentional after that of, um, really seeing how this, this world works and, and, uh, you know, le- leaning strong, strongly on the, the network and, and, uh, friends that we've made in the industry and, and showing up and going to conferences and meeting the right people. And yeah, but that had to come getting, with pushback, you know, and I, I think that yeah. there's people that probably were wanting you to fail or maybe, you know, not, 
understanding or appreciating, you know, your method? And how did you deal with that and, and kind of power through? Yeah, just always, you know, we'd always, uh, always take the high road and it's, uh, you know, it's, um, you know, kind of like the Winston Churchill quote about something about, you know, uh, success is just moving, uh, from one obstacle to the next with undiminished, um, enthusiasm. Right. And, and kind of like, I always see you, uh, always take the, the, uh, glass half full approach and the, uh, I think if anything, these last couple of years with COVID have taught us that, uh, life's a little too short to hold grudges or to, to, uh, you know, uh, get hung up in comparisons or anything like that. And so I've just always, uh, you know, kept moving forward and, and, uh, pursued the, the paths that I thought were best for, uh, the investor base that, that, uh, believes in us. And, uh, and, you know, when you have a setback, just over, overcoming that. And we're, you know, we're big believers that, uh, bad news is best delivered swiftly. And so when you do have, uh, situations that do come up, if you have, you know, we have probably 28 portfolio companies now that you do have a, a setback now and then, uh, that you communicate that swiftly and, and, um, gain the trust of those, uh, the people that are entrusting their capital, you know, for us to be great stewards of their capital and to grow that capital. Yeah. I, there's another Winston Churchill quote that I think it said, if you're not getting sued, you haven't done it long enough. And so <laughs> yeah, I remember the first time I was in a lawsuit, I was like, Oh, like my, my Winston Churchill and I are kindred spirit finally. Yeah. Um, okay. So the, the term CPG, it, it, those are just three letters that just go along with Blake Wiley. And you know, you, you've obsessed over it, which I think is great. I, in my business, you know, a lot of people have made a lot of money and become very successful specializing, whether it's a certain type of real estate, a certain neighborhood, you know, a certain type of, uh, of client. And I've been kind of opposite. I take a machine gun approach and it's worked when you can have scale, but with you, you're very precise and, and you'll go obsess over one thing for a long time until you have, you know, certainty behind it. What, what is your, um, kind of your methodology behind that and what gives you that feeling to go and pursue an investment where people like myself can, can jump in and be a part of it? Yeah, CPG is, is consumer packaged goods, and so it's really pretty much anything you put in or on your body. Uh, that would be food, beverage, uh, apparel, and personal care. And um, we look for the you know the uh, category creators and category disruptors. And so uh, maybe think about products that you you know that you and I grew up on, um, the Cokes and the Pepsis and the uh, Cheetos and Doritos and. Um, you know, for our kids, we're not just rushing out to fill them full of, you know, high carb, high fat, high sugar products. And so we look for products that are, uh, number one, they have to taste great because we know that consumers are not going to sacrifice uh, taste, right? And so, you know, it's uh, things like, you know, kale chips come along and everyone tries to convince themselves that kale chips are delicious. And then a few years later, we realize that kale actually doesn't uh, yeah. It's really hard to make kale taste great. And so chocolate uh, dipped kale chips, the future. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, you got to have a great tasting product. Uh, we, we love visionary founders. Um, you know, I was, uh, something else I learned from, uh, Clayton was, uh, invest in learners and not knowers. And, um, when you sit down with a founder, it's uh, pretty quickly, you can tell if, if they're a learner or a knower. And it's something I have to talk to my kids constantly about because my son is, uh, tends to be a knower. And my daughter's definitely a learner. And so uh, just setting that, that kind of mindset of uh, always be open to new information and changing information. And, um, you know, so those are some of the things. We look for high growth categories, right? Because when you uh, you can have the best product in the world, but if you're in a in a declining category, it's it's really hard going to be really hard to, to scale, right? So you want to invest in categories that have tailwinds and not headwinds. So what's an example right now, 2022, of a category that does not have tailwind? 
uh, high sugar sodas, uh, you know, um, thing, uh, uh, salted snacks are actually on a, on a, a pretty strong decline. And this is all based off just your research and kind of how you see the market playing out. Uh, yeah, consumer, you know, consumer, you can uh, we can get spins data, which is uh, anytime something is scanned at the grocery store or sold on Amazon or anything, we can we have all that data to see what people are are moving towards and people wow. are moving towards, you know, higher protein type offerings. Um, but uh, yeah, those you know those are two, and then you have highly competitive uh, categories. You know, meat snacks would be an example where uh, you know you had the standard jerkies that you would see at convenience stores, and then paleo and keto came around and everybody convinced themselves that we needed this craft really cool meat snack but it was so popular that you had about 15 new brands come to market every year which kind of crushes your margins and so it's kind of finding that that right space to play in where you don't you want to be uh well kind of like we said category creator category disruptor uh or what we call a fast follower uh meaning you always have kind of one brand that takes off and then two or three right behind it but we don't we're not interested in owning the, you know, the 10th best sparkling water, right? We want to own the fastest growing sparkling water. We don't want to own the 15th fastest growing sparkling water. So let's say you obsess liquid death. And, and, I, and yeah. I know that that's been one of your, your success stories, but what's, what's the process for you? What's the discovery process, the homework? I mean, is your house just stock full of, of food and potential stuff you put on your body and in your body? And then you kind of go through you know, the, the process and then, you know, it's a winner. What, what does that look like? Yeah. Now my, you know, my wife always, always laughs cause uh, we do have packages showing up uh, pretty much every day of, of, uh, you know, samples and, uh, and stuff that, uh, yeah, is it unsolicited? I mean, is it people both, just- uh, solicited, unsolicited, but people find you, you know, various ways and LinkedIn, Instagram, and can I send you this, can, you know, get connections and, you know, first off, you know, we always, yeah, first, you know, send us the product and, uh, it's always best when it's a product that's already on our shelves in our house because uh, we're already familiar with it, uh, which is which is uh, which is great. But it's it's a little bit of art and a little bit of science, right? So it's um, you know we're not uh, you know Warren Buffett that's investing in Coca Cola, you know, or Dairy Queen or something like that that everybody you know is obviously an established business. Uh, we're more uh, you know what's what's our generation's version of Dairy Queen, right? Or what's our version? our generation's version of Coca-Cola and let's, let's invest in that. And so, uh, you got the science aspect, which is going through the, the P and L, the balance sheet, you know, is the company growing a hundred percent a year, but losing 20 million a year, that's not a good position to be in, you know, 15 million in sales and you lost 20 million getting there. Uh, so first off is the, the first level of due diligence is the taste test. Is this something I would drink? Is this something Rogers would stock at his house and his family would consume each week? Um, and if it's a no-go, then we kind of stop due diligence there. If it's, yeah, we love the product and, and we could, we would definitely buy this every week at the grocery store. Then it goes into the financials and the balance sheet, cash flow statement. How's, how's the company been, uh, financed historically? Uh, then it goes into the whole, uh, what category are they playing in and, and what category can they extend to? Can this be a whole platform of consumer products that are in adjacent categories or is this really just kind of a, a one product thing because what we found is is the big strategics they they acquire brands they don't acquire products and so if you're a you know if you're a one product company that's great if you're the best jelly bean healthiest jelly bean on the market but it's just going to be tough to get acquired but if you can play in eight or nine different adjacent categories then you're much more uh, attractive to get to get acquired um, and then we look at uh, kind of the art aspect of 
um, social media follow, you know, are they, do they have an engaged following and liquid death is the best that we've seen. I mean, it's, it's a three-year-old company that just passed Coke and Pepsi on social media following. I mean, it's, it's incredible, the engagement and the passion that they have with their, within their consumer base. And it's literally just water. It's just water. Wow. Yeah. Don't be scared. It's just water. Right. But only 7% of the population actually knows it's water. Everybody still assumes that it, when they see the can, you assume that it's an energy drink, it's a four loco, or it's a uh, alcohol drink yeah. or a coffee, uh, which tells us those are adjacent categories that the brand can eventually have permission to play in by the consumer. Saying that potentially they could go and have alcohol, they could go have a, an energy drink. Huh? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So how many deals have you participated in over your career in the world of investing? We, we probably review one brand or company per day. And I, you know, I def, always defined a brand or company as they have a product that's in market that is being sold. It's not, you know, a, a one page summary from a kid that just graduated college and says, here's what I'll, here's what I would like to go do. A brand or company is something that they have a product it is selling. We can see velocities. We can see how quick the consumer's buying it. Uh, but we're probably reviewing one of those per day and probably writing four commitments a year. Meaning what? Uh, meaning, yes, we'll be involved in this company and, and we'll invest in the company. So probably looking at, uh, you know, probably 250, probably 200 to 250 companies a year and investing in four. What's been the one that you, uh, the one that got away, the one that you looked at and you're like, there's no way this could be a home run and it, and it was a, a smash. I, I try not to look in the rearview mirror too much. Try to, you know, the windshield's right, bigger, yeah. than, bigger than the rearview and, and for a reason. Uh, but I do, I do save every single deal that we ever review. And I haven't, um, really it's around the holidays, around the end of the year when you got a little extra free time that I kind of scroll through those and, and see, is there something that's made a big splash? But so far there hasn't been anything that, um, that I said, you know, man, you know, I, I will say there's an investment that we made. I won't mention what it is that, uh, we made the investment on March 12th of 2020 and it's sending that wire took my breath away a little bit, uh, just cause, uh, COVID this new thing was coming down the, it was getting real, yeah. real for Americans, March 12th, 2020. And we, uh, big belief in the, the people behind it. And, uh, we ended up sending the wire and it's probably gonna end up being one of the best deals that we've ever done. I think it's the one and, that I, I, back, or, I, I put in some money and then I got scared on March 12th and put in half of it. But, that's okay. But, yeah. um, you know, so I will say kind of the inverse of your question there, yeah. there, there was a, a deal that, uh, we had a little bit of hesitancy, checked with everybody. They said, no, we're still good. We did the deal and we're real happy. We did. Um, I've, I don't know that I can name one that, um, that we passed on oh, there. Okay. There is a, a deal that we're actually in and that you're involved with. Uh, that's a, uh, delicious treats company, uh, Tiff's treats. Oh, yeah. And, um, it, it's one that uh, first uh, saw that in, I guess, 2016, and wish we had participated then. Um, Which again, it, it's it's so it's so crazy to me. Like again, this is literally just water. Tiff's treats is cookie delivery, and they're great cookies. It's the best cookies on planet Earth. But there's nothing about it that you're like, oh my god, that is it's like a new kind of blue jean. It's literally cookies. It's, it, it's hard work, you know. Yeah. And, and Tiff and Leon, uh, you know, it's probably like it's a probably not different than your, but you know, it's everybody probably looks back and says, man, that's easy, but it's like, it's 22 years 
it's a 22 year overnight yeah. success, right? Like yeah. it's a lot of hard work that goes to getting to having that many locations that are running efficiently, yeah. that are getting cookies that quick, you know, with that type of consistency and consumers want consistency. You know, if it's a different cookie, the different temperature that shows up at your house every time, then you don't stick with it. And so there's a lot, a lot of work that goes into it. But I would say that's probably one that I would, that we invested in later on that I wish we had invested in earlier. Yeah. But, um, you know, that book is still being written and they just wrote a book, but maybe oh, yeah. they'll write a second book. Yeah, no, and bestseller too, so, New yeah. York Times. So uh, what about like, what would be your dream product? What's the one thing you're always looking for? Maybe you would go create it, but what's the one thing that your family uses on a daily basis that you're like, I can't wait for this new deodorant or this new sock or this, you know, bubble gum that has the world's biggest bubbles. What's the one thing that you're just kind of waiting to show up on your doorstep? That's a fantastic question. I've never been asked that question. I would answer it this way that uh, I am, and I, I tell founders and entrepreneurs this all the time that I am all, I am in awe of what they do. The people that create these brands that we invest, I am absolutely in awe that they're able to create the things that they create. I could never go create this. I could never go create the world's most comfortable, coolest sock. Should have worn my Rogers Healy socks today. Yeah. Um, vintage. I, I'm just, I'm not that, that creator, but what I've been since I was a little bitty guy growing up in West Texas was, uh, very good at trend spotting and, uh, kind of seeing which way the world's moving and, and positioning myself to where the world's kind of moving towards us instead of away from us. And so if anything, that's probably the, uh, the, my kind of, uh, characteristic that's led to most of the success yeah is uh is being able to spot those but i could never ever uh, be a creator of, of one of these incredible companies you know chris camillo i, I yeah. think i've introduced yeah. you to him he, he was on this a few weeks ago and he love chris he um we, we're, we're going to get to this question with you but i asked him what his one piece of advice is and he's like you're not going to like this but never invest in yourself and i was like what <laughs> And it was just a very stoic, you know, Chris approach. He's like, never invest in yourself. And he, you guys, you guys are similar in a lot of ways. And he does this thing called observational investing where he'll take deep dives on TikTok and Twitter. And then he'll sit at a grocery store for three hours and just kind of see this stuff. But, you know, it, it kind of made sense at first. I was like, I'm offended because I, you know, I'm a starter and I'm a grower and all this stuff. But he's like, no, find somebody that has an idea that you're just so fascinated with, but you don't have to worry about, you know, who did the aluminum printing for liquid death. And I think once they get to that point, that's when you can go and, and be a part of it. And, and one of his stories he said was about slime. Back in the day, kids were making their own slime and he did his deep dive and in a dark room and found out that Elmer's glue was the magic ingredient. And it, it just was fascinating. It reminds me a lot of, uh, of kind of what you're doing. So with that being said too, what's been the one thing that you've done where you're just like, oh my gosh, this has been such a fun thing to be a part of, like your favorite investment. And I know it's always the next investment, but What's the one deal that you just felt like you had a flower in the float and you could really ride the wave with them? Uh, you know, I would say, um, you know, Waterloo Sparkling Water was one that was uh, fantastic. You know, at the time, it was a ca it was a huge category. Uh, you know, sparkling water was a, a fast growing category, and uh, you know, there was one product that had I think ninety six percent market share that we thought was super super inferior. Um, later came out that they were actually using the same ingredient that's used in co cockroach poison the, the french the, the, beverage the yes. french beverage uh the owner of the company was uh not a, not the uh not somebody i'd want my kids to be around and uh so that that was uh 
you know, that was a, a really fun one to be a part of, uh, to, to really see it come in, grow the category, uh, very high bubble density, which I didn't even know was a metric. Um, and so great. Seriously. Uh, yeah. True to, true to flavor. Uh, you know, you put the liquid on lips and people absolutely loved it. And so that, that was a fun one. And then I think your first one is always fantastic, which was the deep Eddie vodka. I mean, that's, um, yeah, I still remember when they came back with, uh, we had done the seed and then, a they came back with like a convertible note or something. And I said, Oh my gosh, what do you mean? We have to invest in this company again. I thought we already invested in it. No, 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 no. Here's what it means. Like the company's growing. We need, uh, some growth capital. And so, uh, yeah, the, the first one's always like so so memorable. Um, and but e- each deal that we've done is uh, we've been extremely excited about. And uh, before we do a deal, we always like to to walk away from it for a few weeks and give it a little space and uh, see that see that we're still infatuated with it. There's several that you've been in the room with the founder, you've done all your homework, you you're like, oh my gosh, this is just the best thing in the world. And then you give yourself some distance and some space and uh, revisit it a few weeks later and it just doesn't have that same fire. Uh, and so we, we you know, kind of tend to Is that pa- how you perceive your wife? Those. I, yeah, that, no, that fire was always there. That, fi- <laughs> that fire was there from the- I'll call you in a month. They, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, if you love something, set it free, right? If it yeah. comes back. No. Uh, no, didn't, didn't set that one free, St- stayed on it. Kept pursuing. Nice job, Blake. Eve, we're we're a big fan. Yeah. Um, she had a lot of term sheets coming in. I had to I had to get get no, my term no, sheet no, in no. there. You, you listen. Here's what I have to offer. Best investment you ever made. <laughs> uh, okay, let's talk about the state of the economy today. 2022. Everyone, you know, is in a little bit different headspace than they were three months ago, six months ago, a year, two years ago. And the world of you know uh, your world of investing, my world of real estate. Everyone's always asking what's going to happen, what's going on. How are you planning on kind of pushing through, still doing what you're doing and giving your investors confidence, knowing that, you know, you don't have not control, but you don't have the world's not supporting what you and I are doing like they were a few months ago. What does that look like for you? Totally, you know, and and you got to, you know, the the, uh, winds of change are coming and you got to adjust yourselves and and be able to to navigate uh, these times. And, uh, you know, when I sit back and go into kind of deep thought on this stuff, it's, you know, I'm constantly asking myself, is the world this crazy today or has the world always been this crazy and we're just old enough to pay attention now? Uh, you know, cause I think that our, our parents probably and grandparents probably went through similar times when they were in our age that they just said that this is crazy. Like the world is upside down and, uh, right is left and left is right. And it doesn't seem, you know, what's going on. But, uh, you know, then I asked my little cousins who are in their mid twenties, Hey, does the world seem crazy to you? They're like, no, it seems pretty good. You know? So I think it has something to do with the age that we're in that we're actually pay attention to these these macro things. What about taxes? You know, I, I think that you know I feel like we really have gotten, especially with real estate, like super spoiled. And I don't know if that means we don't have a lot of reality. But you know, we always hear about how great things are in Texas, and uh, I just came back from Omaha, and I, I got to say, like we're a little we're in Texas, so we don't know any different. But I would go look at other parts of the country, go to California and look around, and I talk to investors up and down California that they say, Hey, you're in Texas. We're bullish on Texas. Anything that you can find in Texas, restaurant, real estate, CPG, this, that we want to invest in Texas. Cause we, we think that's the future of business. Yeah. And these are, uh, you know, very sophisticated, uh, investors out there. And so, um, I think that we do have some, some benefits there. What's going on. You know, it's, it's, um, prices are increasing every day. Transportation is very, very expensive, right? A lot of these variable costs will eventually have to get passed on to the 
to the consumer. I, you know, I've been telling people, uh, and I won't say who they are, but the, the two kind of, uh, when I look at all of our founders, probably the two that I consider just the highest pure IQ, uh, raised capital in December, you know, in January. And did they see these trends coming or what did they just feel like the timing was right? Could have been a little bit of luck, but, um, you know, I think companies that are, are, uh, set up right that are that are strong are going to come out of this even stronger yeah i think that companies that were uh um not going to make it in the long term anyway may die a little faster just similar to what happened in covid from what we've seen within our portfolio companies is uh the the founders and the c-level teams navigating this quite admirably and uh and continuing to grow the business and and uh make swift changes and you gotta i talked to one yesterday uh, of a gelato company and he's you know, had a lot going on family wise, just added a, a kid to his house and, uh, sorry, just had a new baby. And, um, he's transitioned from a, uh, you know, a peacetime CEO to a wartime CEO really quickly. And he's done it. And he's made drastic decisions that are going to benefit his company for the long term. And so, um, you know, we look at all those, all those trends at the end of the day, I love that we're in products that people have to consume every single day. You know, if inflation hits, are we going to a recession? Are people going to stop drinking sparkling water every day? Are they going to, you know, stop eating a protein bar every day? Probably not, you know, and, and so they may pull back in other areas of their lives, but, um, but we, we feel good that we're in, in brands and products that people will continue to consume every day. We don't want to be in super premium price products. I don't want to be, you know, the most expensive ice cream bar on the market. But, um, as long as you're within that fairway, I think you're relatively, uh, insulated. I agree. Um, okay. Let's talk about the success part. You're obviously extremely successful. You're extremely, extremely humble, but I started this whole podcast because the people that I look up to like you, you've stayed like this, you know, and I think especially in a city like Dallas or LA or New York, where the success is very visible, um, people get sucked into the vortex of money and, um, clout. But with you, it's almost like the more successful you get, the better you get. So what would be your, your words of wisdom for people that are that are watching this and tuning in today and in the future um, about you know not being a sellout and, and staying true to your West Texas roots the you know the family man the man of faith the father husband how does that play into life for you? Uh, yeah, great. Yeah, deep question there. Yeah. Um, if y'all aren't watching, he's crying. That, I appreciate the compliment, and uh, you know what what you do and what I do. You know, as as an investor, you're always judged on. You're only as good as the last deal you did, right? So you gotta, um, you know, you gotta keep performing, or or people are uh, gonna keep entrusting their capital to you. And so I think just that motivation. I've always been a, you know, I've, I've always been kind of, uh, you know, motivated and and uh, and always looking for the next opportunity. It's just kind of how how I've been wired. But um, you know, I think uh, you know I always. Uh, couple of things uh, for younger people that you mentioned. Um, uh, you know, I always say that working at a huge corporation is fine, but I always encourage them to go get a job at a, at a company where they impact the bottom line every single day. Cause that's where you really add value to the company is when you're at a place that what you do every single day actually affects the company's bottom line. I know that's with everybody in your business, with our business, what we do every day affects the bottom line. And so I encourage that. I always encourage young people to, to find a wing to fly under, right? And to find a mentor out there. And I was fortunate in my life to always have that person. Uh, and it's kind of changed various times throughout my life, but to always have that person I was chasing or looking up to or that 
was uh, I could kind of stand on their shoulders and uh, and benefit that way. And now I'm at a point where I'm trying to look back and say, okay, who can I help, uh, you know, give guidance to or give insight to, um, you know. And then uh, you mentioned uh, uh, Chris and uh, and how stoic he is, yeah. and, and I've been a uh, other than being super religious, I've also been a, a follower of the Stoics for a while, and. I always think of, I actually wrote it down, Marcus Aurelius, uh, oh, wow. his his view of, you know, you could leave this life at any moment and tomorrow and the next breath isn't promised to us. And so let that affect how you live, the decisions you make and, uh, you know, what you decide to get involved with. I went skydiving. I went rocking. Yeah. There you go. No, you got, I, you know, and you got, you got gladiator. I got Tim McGraw. Yeah. Man, wasn't that glad? Wasn't that, was that gladiator? I know the song. I don't know. No, no, no. Marcus Aurelia. Wasn't that Russell Crowe, Gladiator? Oh, yeah. There yeah. you go. Okay. There um, you go. Sorry, Simpleton over so, here. And I th- yeah, what, and kind of a, with that is, and I keep this list of, of, of quotes that I, I go back and look on, is, um, is uh, you mentioned being successful in all this, is comparison is the robber of joy, right? Yeah. And there's another saying, if thou wilt make a man happy, add not unto his riches, but take away from his desires. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of studies out there that, the lower your expectations are, the happier you are in life. And so we strive to have really high expectations and we're always in pursuit. We never arrive, but, um, we also keep that, you know, in context at times and we're, we're happy with where we're at. I like it. Cliche time. Best advice you've ever received. Probably as a young, as a young guy was, uh, was to, um, you know, not, not become a slave to a, a big, you know, a big car payment, Credit, high interest credit card and, and these types of things, but to keep yourself kind of uh, freely open. I had a lot of friends that went and and uh, bought things right out of college that or were probably more than they could really afford, but they wanted to show everybody how successful they were. Cash McMogelson. And Cash McMogelson. So yeah, that was great advice um, early on. You know, never, never spend more than you make, I think, is mm. great financial advice when you're starting out. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's a, a – I don't know. There's – I, again, I was lucky to have mentors that uh, really instilled in me uh, various values and, and different uh, different words uh, to live by. So I, I'd have to I'd have to go back through my notes and tell you which one kind of stood out. Well, what's the, the advice you'd give somebody? Whether whether there's somebody yeah. who wants to be in the world of finance, they want to you know start their own company. What what would you tell them? I yeah, I, you know I uh, I always like uh, kind of Henry Ford's you know. If, if you chop your own wood, it warms you twice, right? And kind of, uh, you know, go go work somewhere, but then go see what you can do on your own, you know? And, and I have a lot of friends that are just a little too hesitant to kind of leave that safety nest of whatever big, huge corporation they're at and go do their own thing. And I just, you're, you know, you're going to fly. You're going you're gonna to be successful. Just, uh, you know, just go do it. And, um, you know, I think with the Great Recession that we always hear about is it's really not – it's not that people aren't doing anything. It's that uh, there's been three times as many companies started in the last two years as we have historically. And I think, really? yeah, and I think that's because COVID really taught us. I talked to buddies the other day that I was on a trip with that are very successful guys. I said, why are y'all working together now? They said, we always talked about it and we just sold the last company and we thought, hey, if we're ever going to do it, now, there's not a better time than now. And so I think COVID has really motivated people to live in that stoicism right. of life is short. And why not chase your dreams right now? And why not go, if I've always wanted to do this thing, let me go do it right now. And, 
you know, so I think we'll see the, the impacts of that, uh, you know, as time goes on. I love it. Last question. What motivates you? What keeps you grounded? Um, what, what's your daily inspiration to go and continue to be successful where you're looking through the windshield, not the rearview mirror? Yeah, it's family, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, and, um, providing for them and, and, um, spending, being able to spend time with them. And, and, uh, I know you're, uh, just added to your family, just yeah. increased your family by 50%. And so, Oof. uh, yeah. So those hungry mouths looking up at you. Yeah. That's yeah. motivation. But, uh, no, just, um, it's to me, it's not about legacy. It's not about anything like that. Um, you know, you do these, these studies, uh, my good buddy Wolf pointed out, uh, when he had his last child that, um, you know, most, most people can't even name their great grandparent. They, uh, you know, you see these buildings with names on them and, the next generation that, you know, and so your, your legacy is really your family and it's the, the people that you spend the most time with. And so, uh, to me, it's just, uh, it's friends and family and it's, uh, it's performing for our investors. You know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, they're entrusting us to be good stewards of their capital, to give them outlier returns and to, uh, to grow that capital in a, in a efficient way and, uh, kind of, you know, um, overshoot on the, on the upside. And, and so that's what, that's, it's really hard to do, you know? And so that's what keeps me motivated is, uh, first would be family. And second would be performing for our, the people that trust us. Love it, man. That was, um, that was awesome. And I, I and again, y'all that have watched this, I, Blake Wiley coyote is his Instagram name and he doesn't share a lot of his, uh, his successes, but the ones that he does, I would definitely, uh, take a deep dive, but I've told you this a million times. I, I love you. I, I really look up to you and I'm, I'm so honored to be able to um, get this information from you. So on behalf of everybody, thanks for being an incredible guest and congrats on your success. Hey, I appreciate uh, being invited. Uh, it means a lot to me that you'd uh, have me on here and, yeah. and uh, yeah, love you, love your family and excited to see that family grow and your business thrive and uh, many years to come. Thanks buddy. Thanks for coming. Yep. Blake Wiley, co-founder of Access Capital, and this is how you sell without selling out. Roger's that.